Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current study, Bless. The Bless practices were created as a simple tool to help you bring the love of God to others. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy! Well, good morning, everybody that have joined us here in the building, as well as those of you who are online with us. We're glad you're here. And uh, today, as we get into this message, I want to introduce to you our next generation director. That's Rob Wootka. He's on staff here. He serves our ministries for children age from birth all the way through grade 12. He's going to share a testimony that goes along with today's message. So please give Rob a warm Valley Brook welcome. Thank you, Clark. Good morning, everybody. So Clark asked me to share about serving. Um, Serving's always been a passion of mine. It's one of my spiritual gifts. And I'm going to give a little backstory first and then apply it to how it works with the bless kind of lifestyle that we're talking about, how we can witness to people. So about 20 years ago, my wife and I were attending a really good church up in Heartland. It was a Bible teaching church. but I was mostly consuming. We were going every week, we do the special events, but because they had a lot of kind of entrenched members that did all the, the day-to-day needs, there wasn't really a, a, a need for me to step in and serve. And I think I was kind of spiritually stuck because of that. And fortunately, my wife had the wisdom to, that I needed a little nudge. I needed something else besides just going to church and listening, because she knew that serving was one of my, my uh, strengths and something I was passionate about. So we looked around and we quickly found Valley Brook. Um, I think they had just started meeting in the high school. This was probably 2003 or four. And the first, maybe the second Sunday I was there, Kevin Lassich, some of you may know him, came up to me and says, hey, you have a ball hitch on your truck. We need you to pull the trailer next week. So I was immediately thrust into serving, getting up at six o'clock in the morning, going and find the trailer wherever it was, bring it, back it into the high school. Um, I made some good connections with some of the people that were on my assigned to that team, and it really got my juices flowing about serving. I loved it. So I started volunteering for everything that ever was needed at Valley Brook. I've probably done at one time or another, and it's kind of ironic because now I'm on staff here, so I I can't help but serve. Um, About 20 years ago, so early early 90s, I got a job at the Hartford, and I was there for 20 years, and the team I was on, we were kind of stuck in every project together, so you got to know them really well. We did stuff outside of work. We socialized, we had birthday parties, we got to know each other's family. And the longer I was there, the, the more I became the old man. So some of the younger people that came on board, as they're approaching, maybe asking their boyfriend, girlfriend to marry them, they'd, they'd seek my counsel. Like I had quite a few people say, what's your secret? Because you and Yvonne seem really happy. So I thought about it, and I said, if you wake up every morning and you think of ways you can outserve your partner, that goes a long way. And I'm blessed because my wife and I both try to do that with each other. We're not perfect, but it definitely helps. If I'm trying to outserve her and she's trying to outserve me, it makes life a whole lot easier. And then about a year ago, I stepped into the interim role that I'm in now, um, where I got to teach the students and also work with the, the Sunday school kids. And one of my favorite passages to teach on was John 13. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. I think Clark's going to hit on this later, too. But this is at the Last Supper when Jesus is sitting around the table and, hey, nobody's washing our feet. I'm going to 
take off my robe, put on an apron, and wash the disciples' feet. Right? The lowliest job you can do. So verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So I don't think it can get any clearer than that, right? Jesus did the lowliest thing he could do, and he's telling his disciples, his followers, to do the same thing. So that's kind of a long-winded story I haven't really gotten to bless. So let me just share one final, one final story. Um, we moved back from Costa Rica in 2016. I didn't want to go back to corporate, so I started doing home improvements. So I got my home improvement contractor license. I did that for a couple years, then I decided to start flipping houses. I didn't know what to do, but I ran into a guy I used to work with at the Hartford. And he ended up, he's a realtor now. So we'd look at houses, we bought a couple, we bid on some. He helped me finance it. He helped me talk about what I should do to the house in order to make it saleable for the most money that we could clear. One day we're meeting at the lawyer's office and we were talking about a contractor I was going to use. And I'm like, oh, I've known this guy for 15 years. I do a Bible study with him every Monday morning. And my friend is like, a Bible study? You really believe that? And I wanted to go deeper. The Holy Spirit saying, hey, lay it on him, lay it on him. But I didn't. And then the lawyer came in, we did our business, and we had to both go to appointments. A couple weeks later, he calls me up frantic because he was managing a duplex house and the basement had flooded. And he, he's freaking out because the guy that normally does his maintenance was away on vacation. He had insurance adjusters come and he was overwhelmed. I'm like, hey, I can free up my day. I'll be over there. I thought I'd be over there for a couple hours. We were there all day, trip after trip up the soggy basement stairs, cleaning out this basement. At the end of the day, he's like, hey, let me pay you. I'm like, no. Well, what do you mean? I got to pay you. I'm like, no, I was happy to help. And he reluctantly let me go. And then a couple days later, he called me up and he's like, I, why did you do that? You could have been working on the house and you lost money. And I'm like, now the Holy Spirit's saying, okay, you got to say something. So I shared with him that that's what Jesus would have done for me. So that's why he did it for you. So this, this actually really works because then he said, can we get together next week for a cup of coffee? I want to ask you some God questions. So I said, yeah, let's meet out here. So we met in the cafe out here. I think we met at 8.30. We were there almost till noon. But the first thing I did, and I'd encourage you guys to do this if you're sharing with somebody, I took my Bible, I put it on the table, and I said, this is the lens that I'm looking through the world at. Okay, so I'm going to have some ideas that you think are crazy. But I recognize that you're not looking through this lens, and I can't expect you to know what's in here or to follow it and apply it to your life. And he's like, that's fair. So we talked for three and a half or four hours. Next week, we went down to Jake's to get a burger. We were there for three hours. We thought they were going to kick us out a couple times. And he even went on one of our men's retreats, and we're still talking. We're meeting regularly and talking. And all of this was because I served him without asking for something else. So that's my challenge to all you guys. So I want to end on one thing. Back in the 70s and 80s when I was a kid, we all got WWJD bracelets. Does anybody know what that stands for? Right? What would Jesus do? You give it to a kid so he thinks and makes good decisions. That's great. But then you have the choice not to make that decision. So I like to... I coined my own thing. I don't know if it's patented or trademarked, but DWJD, do what Jesus did. So it's good to think about what would Jesus have done in this situation, but then take it a step further and do what he did. And the first thing he would have done is love people by serving them. So that's my encouragement to you guys. Go serve. Thanks. Thank you, Rob. Well, you know, I don't need an illustration today because uh, Rob has given that illustration to us today, and, and so that's good. So as we dig into this message today, 
you know, this is what we need to know, that, that service, service is the mark of a Christ follower. It's the mark of someone who believes in and follows Jesus. And in fact, Jesus made it very clear to his followers that he did not come to be served, but he came to serve others. Now, in the Gospel of John that Rob pointed at, Jesus was demonstrating this and teaching it And I want to read a little bit more than what Rob read this morning. So beginning in John chapter 13, verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that, he poured water in a basin. And he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And this is what he said. Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Because very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So, Let me back up here for a moment, just remind you of the customs of first century Middle East. Uh, To to do this, you need to do this so you understand the fullness of what's taking place here. First century dining rooms did not look like our 21st century dining rooms. Uh, Nor did they look like, by the way, what you see in Leonardo da Vinci's painting of the Last Supper, all right? Uh, There were tables, but they weren't three feet high tables off the floor surrounded by chairs or benches. Uh, These tables, in fact, if there were tables, were very low to the ground. And so you would sit cross-legged around that table or around a a cloth spread out and the food would be laid out on it. All right, you may have uh, reclined a a little bit, but uh, the reality is is this, Uh, your feet would be near to other diners and to the food. And so the custom was that when you went to someone's house to have a meal, there would be a slave there. A slave who would do the uh, ugliest and the dirtiest and the most uncomfortable job, but it was common hospitality to wash the feet of people before they would eat. And so someone would do that. But here we go in this situation, they go there, they're, they're using someone else's room to dine in, and when all the disciples come in, there's no slave. There's not even a servant there to, to wash the feet. And I can imagine the disciples sort of looking at each other and saying, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And, but they're all sitting around the meal, and it's there before them, and they have unwashed feet. And so Jesus gets up 
And he takes the job upon himself. He's demonstrating an important lesson. He's demonstrating that no one is too important to serve. In fact, no one is so important that they can't do the most menial task. And after he finished washing their feet and returned to the table with them, he taught them clearly saying this, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So Jesus is teaching his followers then and and every generation of Christ followers since then that you and I are marked as followers of Jesus if we do what he taught, and that is serving others. And so that's what he did, and so that's what his followers do. That's what we do if we're followers of Jesus. Now, we don't just serve others for the sake of serving. Jesus says something in conclusion that may remind you of some other, play, other scriptures in other places in the Bible. And this is what he says. Let me remind you. Verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What does Jesus mean, you will be blessed if we do this serving of others? Well, truly, this harkens back to some other scriptures, as I said. So uh, it harkens all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, where God said to Abraham and Sarah these words, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. It's, It's this idea That God blesses us to be a blessing to others. God blesses us so that we can serve others. So how do we bless them? Well, we we bless them by observing their lives and recognizing if there's a place where we can help them, where we can serve them, where we can do something for them, that we do this for them. And this reminds me of the words of Jesus that the Apostle Paul quoted late in the book of Acts. This is what he said. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's this idea that in giving, in serving, we are blessed more than receiving something from somebody else. And as we think about why we are blessed by giving to others, by serving others rather than receiving I think of what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. He said this, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So it's this idea that when we serve others as followers of Jesus, we're blessed to know that in serving somebody else, another human being, we're serving Jesus. And we're blessed to know that We are following his teaching, and we're blessed to know that we're fulfilling his mission to increase and to build the kingdom of God here on earth. So, we're blessed to be a blessing to others. Now, about these verses, Professor Kenneth Gangel writes this, if we would be Christ messengers in any capacity, we must behave toward others the way Jesus behaved toward his disciples. 
We receive God's joy by acting on the principles of conduct that Jesus taught. We can be happy as Christians by acting on the principles of these verses, conducting our lives in such a way that we forgive, serve, and love the brothers and sisters in Christ. And he goes on to say, when we avoid criticism, complaining, and conflict, then harmony and unity gain strength in the body of Christ. So what Professor Gangel is pointing to is what Jesus says later in John 13, and then also in chapter 17, that serving others leads to mutual love and unity in the body of Christ. But this happens not just in the body of Christ, but it also happens when we serve others who are outside the body of Christ. Serving others blesses both the giver of the service and the recipient of the service relationally. And then there's a bond of compassion and mutual love. And there's a uniting people that happens when we serve. Jesus tells his followers to serve each other by loving them in chapter 13. This isn't going to be on the screen, but I just want you to to listen to this. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, he goes on and says, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So serving one another in love says to an unbelieving world that followers of Jesus are different, that they are different in a good way, different in a way that's attractive. When Christ followers can set aside their differences in life, their differences in politics, their differences in their positions and in the things they're passionate about, and then serve one another in love, that's startling. Why is it startling? Because that's not the way the world operates. The world says, if you don't agree with my differences, my politics, my positions, and my passions, then I'm not going to like you, much less love you. In fact, the world says, I'm going to cancel you and maybe even hate you. It should be noted that when Christ followers cancel others and hate others, we're acting like the world not like Jesus. So Jesus prays that we would love one another as he loves us. And then he prays that his followers would be united in serving others and in following him. He prays that because he knows that when we're united in serving others and in following him, the world will know that God sent him, Jesus, And that God loves them also. So let's pause for a moment. I want to ask you a question, a rhetorical question, but I want you to, you know, mull it around in your mind. Here's the question. If service is a mark of a follower of Jesus, how marked is your life by service of others? So if you're going to bless others, you're going to have to serve them. So reflect on your life and ask yourself, who has God uniquely positioned me to be able to serve? You're going to think of family. You're going to think of friends. You're going to think of neighbors, coworkers, classmates, and others. And so Christ followers should ask God every day, who can I bless 
by serving them today. So, service is a mark of a Christ follower. Now, let's look at a, a model for serving, all right? To be a Christian means two very important things are true about your life. First, to be a Christian means that you believe that Jesus is your Savior, that he died on the cross to pay for your sins, and that he rose again from the dead, thus defeating the power that sin and death has over your life and, and over all of our lives. But to be a Christian also means that we believe that Jesus is our Lord, or you could say leader. If we believe that he is our Lord, that means we believe he is God. And since he is God, since he is our Lord, we'll both follow his example and follow his teaching. So let's look at how Jesus taught us through his example. In the Gospel of Mark, we read this story. Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay hands on the man to heal him. So Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. And he put his fingers on the man's ears, and then spitting on his fingers, he touched the man's tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Epaphrodite which means be opened. Instantly, the man could hear perfectly and his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. Now, Jesus told the crowds not to tell anyone, but the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. So in this event in Jesus' life, it's important for us to notice some things, some things that will demonstrate to us the model of being a follower of Jesus. The first thing I want you to see is he was willing to make connections with people. In the case of this man, he made connections with his friends who then introduced him to the man who was both deaf and couldn't speak. And here's the important thing. They had a conversation with Jesus about their friend. Now, the conversation's not recorded but we know it says they begged Jesus to heal their friend. And Jesus connected with them because he stopped and listened. He listened to them. Now, we don't even know if Jesus said anything to them at all. But what's most important for us is that we notice that he made that connection by taking the time from whatever he was planning on doing to stop and to listen. Serving others demands that we make connections by stopping and listening to others. Moving on, in response to their request, look what Mark says Jesus did. Jesus led the man away from the crowd so the two of them could be alone. Why did Jesus do this? He did this because he had compassion for this man. Dave Ferguson writes that Mark says the man was deaf and had a severe speech impediment. This man knew what it was like to be made fun of and to feel a spectacle because of his disabilities. Now just imagine how he might have been mocked and laughed at as a child. Every time he tried to speak with all sorts of hesitations and fractured words, he drew attention to his disability. But all he wanted to do was communicate with people. 
So Jesus realized this man's particular challenge and he refused to make a spectacle of his condition. So by taking him aside to be alone with him, he served him with dignity in a way that showed he understood all of this man's needs besides the obvious one. So by leading him into a private area, Jesus was demonstrating compassion for this man. This way, no one could laugh at the man when he tried to speak to Jesus. When we serve others, we need to do it with compassion. The next thing I want to point out is this, is to serve this man, Jesus had to get close to him. He touched the man's ears and he touched the man's tongue. Now, serving others will require us to get close to people. I'm not saying you're going to have to put your fingers in somebody's ears or, or on their tongue, but you're going to have to get into close proximity to people and their needs. Verse 34 says a lot. I'll just recall what it says. It says, looking up to heaven, Jesus sighed, and then he said, Epaphrata, which means be opened. You know, when I read that and studied it, I was a little confused by the statement that Jesus sighed. So I turned to some scholarly commentaries, and one scholar said that Jesus' sigh shows the incredible empathy of Jesus. This was, as they say, an inward groan indicating Jesus' compassionate response to the needs of this man. He not only felt for him, he felt with the man. He empathized with him. I liken Jesus' side to the exhalation we make when we're moved by something that we see or hear or experience. It sort of causes us to respond spontaneously. Why do we do that? Because when we care, when we empathize with people, we're moved. Serving others requires that we empathize with them. Now, going back again to verse 34, Jesus stops and he prays. He calls on God to intervene in this man's life with supernatural power. It says, saying this, Jesus looked to heaven. That means he was praying. He was calling on God for help. And once he calls on God to help, then he commands the man's ears to be open and his tongue to be loosed and healed. This is a, an important and a very clear reminder that you and I have access to the supernatural power of God. So we need to call on him to intervene in people's lives when we serve them. So Jesus shows us a divine model for serving others. Jesus connected with people. He had compassion on people. He got close to people. He cared deeply for people. And he called on the power of God to serve other people. Those are things that we need to do. So I want to bring this message to a close by just sort of recapping the morning. So we've heard a brother in Christ share his testimony, how God has worked in his life to help him see how important serving others are. We have looked at how Jesus taught his disciples then and teaches us today that the mark of a Christ follower is serving others. And then we looked at how Jesus modeled serving others 
and basically taught us how to care and connect and have compassion and call on God's power when we serve others. And in just a moment, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper to remember how Jesus served us by purchasing our forgiveness and salvation by his body and his blood. But let me remind you that today's message is, is just one in a series of messages that we're, we're talking about as followers of Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us that we're supposed to bless others by blessing them the way God has blessed us. And blessing others means that when we understand this, that we're going to serve others. So Jesus has blessed us by providing for our eternal life and for our salvation through his death on the cross. And we've been blessed by knowing that and understanding that. And when we serve others, many times we get the opportunity to share the hope that we have. I mean, here's the big picture. I, I, I have a conviction about preaching. Preaching is not meant to just provide you with more and new information about God and Jesus in the Bible. The purpose of preaching is to teach us and to equip us as followers of Jesus to be fully devoted to followers of him by fulfilling the mission that he has entrusted to all of us. And so today's message builds on this series of messages that we've been taught about how to fulfill that mission. It's, it's an equipping set of, of messages to help us. And, and over the weeks, we've been building, maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't, a, an acronym. And we're going to put a picture on the screen of this acronym. When this all began, we talked about the fact that we need to begin with prayer. Ask God to guide us to who we should bless to build those relationships. And, and then we need to listen to him. We need to, to listen to the people that God tells us to care for. And then we ought to get together with him and eat because you know, we learn things about people and we really build connections when we share a meal together. And today, we looked at how serving helps us do that. We're going to finish this series up next week with the last S. And I'm going to just go ahead and, uh, spoiler alert, give it to you. It's share your story about what Jesus has done. Now, around our building, we've put, made some stickers available for you to take these and put them in places where it will remind you to ask God to help you to bless people each week. So I'll, I hope that you'll do that. I do also want to encourage you uh, something that, that's uh, happening that's very culturally relevant and really fits into these blessed practices. Many of you are aware that there's a significant football game next Sunday, I think. It's called the Super Bowl. And, you know, it seems like the world stops and they get together with one another and eat food and cheer and watch. And during the Super Bowl this year, there are going to be some specific commercials that are going to highlight the fact that Jesus understands us. You may have seen these He Gets Us commercials over the past months. Well, this is just a significant opportunity, whether you get together with a lot of people to watch the game and have a meal or, or whether you don't, because you know what happens the day after the Super Bowl. People said, did you see that commercial about whatever it was? gives you a great opportunity just to begin a conversation the day after and say, you know, what was your favorite commercial? 
And then if you've seen the He Gets Us commercials, it gives you an opportunity to begin a conversation, much like Rob shared with us with his friend. It's one that started over time, and it will take over time, but that's where we learn to listen and to serve and eventually to share. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.